because I'm always like changing and stuff, I'm always trying to like do better and be better. And like, I don't feel entitled to anything because I don't necessarily have that past experience in the specific thing. And I think it's just been a really fun way to always push forward and be like striving to do better by doing differently. You are listening to Messy in the Middle, the show here to help you navigate the messy blend that is life and business today. I'm your host, Haley Johnson, and my guests and I are here to dish out all the hot takes, big wins, and seriously messy moments that come with being an entrepreneur. So grab another cup of coffee, you know you want to, and let's get into it. Welcome back to Messy in the Middle, where today we are throwing a curveball at you, and I'm going to be interviewed by fan favorite guest, Kira LaPoglia <laughs> from Paradigm Consulting. So, Kira, take it away. <laughs> Haley, you're the most interesting and funny person I've ever known. Stop. No, I'm not I paid you to say that. No, you have not paid me. I've only paid you for everything you offer. Um... <laughs> I have paid you. You did my HR. Oh yeah. I guess when we first met, it was because you were my client and I sent you that raccoon with the little fingers. Um. Those were the days. Yeah. We were living so free and easy. Anyway, uh, we're in the middle of the pandemic. (laughs) It's not funny. It sucks. Okay. So um, Haley, I know that you don't know what any of these questions are which makes me really excited. So we're going to, we're going to start with a, would you rather? Oh gosh. Okay. Okay. So would you rather have everything you do and say recorded for live podcasts, a la that movie where Jim Carrey has everything recorded, or would you rather have everything you do and say recorded and streamed live, but then there's no like actual recording later? Oh, um, I think the first one, I think I would rather have it be like streamed or like recorded. And then like, do I have access to it? Can I repurpose that? Am I like able to, (laughs) can I use it for marketing? (laughs) Like, what do you mean? Like, would I rather be on that show or be like on big brother? There's just like this like constant channel recording database of everything you do and say. But like, does anything happen with that information? I mean, you can use it, but people watch it. I feel like I would want that. Like I would want to be able to go back and like be able to have access to it and like use it for stuff. So I think like watching me live would be really boring because I don't do much most of the time. But I think like there's little bits and pieces that I would love to like look back on for my own memory or be able to use for things or like I'm thinking marketing wise, of course, but (laughs) I think, yeah, if it's going to be recorded, like I want to be able to look back on it and like decide what to do with that information. And I think if it was just being live streamed, it would be a waste and like, hopefully not a lot of people would watch it. I think the live stream would be creepier. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's one thing to know someone can watch you sleep. It's another thing to know someone is watching you sleep. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I guess, I don't know. It's hard to pick because I don't want any of them. Um. <laughs> like, I wouldn't mind if, like, you know how in Suits, Lewis has that tape recorder that he, like, just voice memos to himself all the time? Like, yeah. I wish I remembered to do that. 
because it would make things like recording this podcast a lot easier. And I feel like having someone else like recording everything I do and say would be like a very hands-off version of that, that I think would ultimately, I would be able to like add to my life with that. Whereas like the live stream would just be like, this is weird. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I guess my thought about it was if you say or do something and then like somebody sees it and you never know if somebody's watching you and like, let's say you say or do something really bad or like ridiculous or stupid. It's only like word of mouth. Like nobody can ever look at it again. So like you can't get canceled. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I like to think that I like operate with the best of intentions. And so if I do get canceled for something, like it would be an honest mistake that I could have a redemption arc from. Um, Right. I think the word of mouth could be even more dangerous. Like, oh, I was watching Haley's live stream and she said anyone could say whatever they want. Right. Versus like if the recording is there, you can at least back it up. Yeah. I don't think I'm, I hope I don't get canceled, but like if I do get canceled, I want it to be for like a factual reason and not just hearsay. Yeah. I get that. Um, Would you rather be eight feet tall or four feet tall? (laughs) (laughs) So I think this is going to surprise you because for anyone listening, I'm pretty short. I'm five three, but I've always said that like, the problem that I have with my height isn't being five three. It's that I'm like short enough that it's annoying. Like I can't reach stuff, but I'm not short enough that it's cute. Like, <laughs> like I'm not tiny. I can reach things with like a small step stool or a pair of tongs. But like if I was even tinier, I could like climb on the counters and like it would be like, oh, Haley's so cute and tiny. And just like eight feet tall feels like everything's going to be more expensive. Like I'd have to buy tall pants. It just feels like a lot. Whereas like I'm already used to being short. And I think the four feet would just amplify that experience in a way that would be fine. I hope I don't offend any four feet tall people out there. Are you trying to get me canceled right now? <laughs> oh, it's a, like, I think about it all the time. <laughs> yes, I don't think about it because I'm already closer to the four foot end of the equation than you are. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're like a solid three inches shorter than me. Um, okay. So what's your favorite TV show? I mean, probably Big Brother as like an overarching favorite. I definitely have phases where like I just dive in and like watch any show, but I like the environment around Big Brother. You obviously know this. Uh, Kira is in a group chat with me and my parents about Celebrity Big Brother. But I just, I like that Big Brother is this immersive world with a community and like all communities, it has good parts and bad parts. But I like that it's something that you can kind of like give your all to and you're not like mad at writers for doing it badly. You're mad at production, but whatever. I just, I like that it's real and fake at the same time in a way that feels really fun and interactive for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I would just like to say that during our Celebrity Big Brother thingy, I won and no one congratulated me. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. You heard it here, folks. Kara won the draft. (laughs) I won the draft and I was the last person to submit my people. And the person that I won with was the person I ended up with. It wasn't even somebody I picked, but anyway, so would you rather have telekinesis, the ability to move things with your mind or telepathy, the ability to read minds? 
I think this is difficult because it really taps into like two ways that I could become a lot more lazy. As many people know, I am an amateur detective and I love to know what's going on with everybody. And while it would be cool to be able to read minds, I don't know that I have enough respect for other people's boundaries to be able to like use that power responsibly. But on the other side, like if I could just move stuff without getting up, like half of the exercise I get in a day is going up and down the stairs to like get water. But but I feel like probably the telepathy, ooh, because that could help with the height thing. If I can move stuff without touching it, I no longer need Kevin to help me with the top shelf. So that's my final answer is telepathy. All right. Would you rather, this is the last would you rather, and I'm really excited about it. Would you rather be in jail for five years or be in a coma for a decade? Is it like guaranteed that I'm going to come out of the coma? Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> and you're going to get out of jail in five years. So you don't have to worry about like parole hearings and stuff like that. It's just like you're just out it's of like jail. It's like guaranteed five years. And I can't yeah. do anything to reduce that either. No. <laughs> mm, I think I would pick jail because I've watched a lot of prison shows. I feel like I don't want to discredit the fact that, like, prison is – well, is it jail or is it prison? I just wrote jail. But I feel like if you're in something for five years, then it's prison. But it's not white-collar prison. It's sucky prison. You get one hour a day outside. Mm. Like, did I do something bad? Is my life, like, going to be forever on an ex-con? Because you're in jail. You had to have done something bad. You definitely didn't do something good. This isn't a Jane Fonda situation. <laughs> is that is that reference too old for you? Yes. Uh, she was an anti-war activist. Okay. Very hard. Um. All right. I guess I would pick coma, like very hesitantly, because I think there are too many, like cans of worms to open up in the jail side of things for this podcast to be of like a reasonable length so like I think if you gave me like a couple hours I could logic my way into prison being the right choice but like given the the constraints of you have a meeting in a few minutes um I'm gonna pick the coma (laughs) (laughs) okay why'd you decide to start your business five years ago I couldn't find a job (laughs) (laughs) I um I changed my major like a million times in college and I ultimately graduated with a sociology degree and in the summers and stuff when everyone else was like doing major related internships I was always like in the middle of changing my major so I like could never find an internship that felt the right fit that I was qualified for that I could like get interviewed for so I was always kind of scrambling to do something and I wound up doing a lot of creative work I taught jewelry classes at a Michael's um and with that like that was my first like I built an email list I was like sending out newsletters like telling people about my courses not my courses my classes and then like the following summer I taught like jewelry and fashion design at a summer camp which as an experience, I did not enjoy, but it's still like on that creative track. And then the summer going into my senior year, I was a creative intern for a furniture company. And so 
despite having this sociology degree and thinking that I wanted to go to grad school for sociology, which I did not have the grades for, but I wanted to, all of my work experience was creative. So when I graduated, I was still applying for like some nonprofit work, but I didn't have the experience to back it up. And I didn't really know how to get the job in another way. Like I wasn't very good at explaining why I wanted the job or why I was a good fit for the job. So I wound up just like getting a lot of freelance stuff, uh, doing creative work. So writing social media captions, writing blog posts, um, doing some design work. And I'd cobbled together like five part-time jobs. It was like the running joke for a year. Every time someone saw me, they'd be like, how many are you up to now? Um, and so I was like this weird hybrid of like, some of them were W2 employee positions. Some of them were contract positions. Some of them were just like sketchy things I found on Craigslist. And so like, I feel like I accidentally started a business, but then despite being so like scattered and chaotic because of everything that I had going on, I still had a lot of freedom and a lot of autonomy. And like, I enjoyed knowing that if things went south in terms of the way I was treated at work or the work-life balance that I had, like I could always leave one client or leave one small position and find a new one. And I really liked having that control over my schedule, over my balance, over my freedom, like over all of that. And I think it kind of ruined me for wanting to work for anyone else ever again. So that was kind of how I got into starting a business five years ago, but it was definitely not like the journey that I had initially planned. I thought I was going to be like a corporate hustler, career girl. Like I'm a very like goal oriented, like high achieving person. And so for the fact that like I graduated college and then just sort of bopped around for a couple of years, like who was that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Because you've been doing this for a long time and people like me haven't. We just figured out about online business in, you know, the pandemic. So how much did your life change when the pandemic started and like the lockdowns happened? Did it change a lot or did it not change? It didn't really change at all. I think if anything, it got a little bit better, which like I hate saying because obviously the pandemic was slash is really tragic and a lot of people have lost a lot. Um, But after that initial dip of like everyone freaking out and pausing and like I made no money in April of 2020 because, you know, March, my invoices had already gone out. But April, people were like, don't do anything. After that, though, I think because I had more time to focus, I was definitely coming out of like a party girl phase. Um, so because I couldn't go anywhere, I couldn't do anything. I had a lot more time to focus on my business, on what I wanted in life. I think I was in grad school at the time. And so there was a part of me that always kind of thought, well, when I finish my master's degree, I'll just get a job. And like, right now I'm just floundering because I'm in grad school. I'm allowed to be floundering. But then when I graduated in December of 2020, I'd had from maybe like June to December of like really focusing on my business and really like building something for myself. And it stopped feeling like I was just bopping around being silly Haley doing her freelancing thing until she has the qualifications for a real job. It was like I built myself a real job. And I always I have mixed feelings about being able to benefit from the pandemic in that way. Same, but not quite exactly the same, but interesting (laughs) that the pandemic made such a huge difference for me 
my business, like my started in the pandemic, stuff like that. So I don't think you're alone in those feelings, especially in online business. This week's episode of Messy in the Middle is sponsored by Thought Leaders Collective. Are you so sick of Facebook groups, totally over Instagram pods, looking for a place to find community and collaboration online without all the spammy sales, bro marketers, and frankly, bullshit that comes with the online space? Then boy, do I have the thing for you. Thought Leaders Collective is for the online service provider who is ready to step into the spotlight and make a name for themselves, but is just plain tired of coming up with fresh new content for every platform every week. You just want to log on, share your genius, and bask in the glow of your newfound visibility. But it can't be that easy, can it? With Thought Leaders Collective, it totally can. Weekly thought leadership prompts delivered straight to your inbox. Co-working sessions so you can carve out the time to actually be visible on LinkedIn. Strategic planning to get you laser-focused. And a supportive community of other online service providers who just get it. What more could you ask for? I could tell you stories of members like Rachel, who had someone submit an inquiry on her site within hours of posting her first TLC prompt. Or Kira, who said, Haley, this LinkedIn shit is bananas. My visibility and reach are insane. Or Meg, who is a self-described LinkedIn stan, now that TLC is supporting her content and community needs. Or you could go to thepropagy.com slash TLC and use code MESSY at checkout to get your first month free and see for yourself how great TLC and LinkedIn can be. That's thepropagy.com slash TLC with code M-E-S-S-Y at checkout to get your first month free. After that, it's just 27 bucks a month and you can cancel anytime, but I doubt you'll want to. Can't wait to see you on LinkedIn. I have two really online business related questions. Basically, I want to know what your favorite part of being in the online business community is. And then I'm going to ask you your least favorite part, the thing you hate. I think my favorite part is how much mobility everyone has. I think that there's a lot of barriers to entry for more traditional businesses, whether it's like needing to get loans to start up, you know, buying inventory or needing a certain like savings net to leave another job. But I like that online business really gives anyone with access to the internet an opportunity to try something. And it doesn't have to be this like big declarative, like, I am now an expert in this and this is my full-time whatever because I've put everything on the line to start it. Like I like how you can have a full-time job and start an online business on the side. And if you want to turn it into your full-time thing, you can, but it's so like moldable and scalable and changeable that you can do it on whatever timeline feels good for you and whatever timeline works out. And I think that that flexibility is really interesting and inspiring to see how different people take that different ways. But then my least favorite thing about online business could take a while. And it's something that I was actually talking to one of your clients about on Instagram (laughs) the other day. And that's just like this idea of like entitlement in online business and entitlement in the way that like, quote unquote, big people in the industry can have like, 
I've been successful in the past, therefore I deserve to be successful in the future. Or, you know, I've done this launch before, therefore when it's not working this time, it's like a victim mindset of like, why is this happening to me? Not like, why am I not changing to like match the changing industry? I think there's just a lot of like, I have made money, so I deserve to continue to make money. And my client experience can suffer because I have testimonials from when I was still good at it. Um, I think there's a lot of like fake transparency. And it's because we believe we are entitled to other people's money and other people's time and other people's energy. And I don't think that there's enough like self-reflection on whether we are still engaging in the behaviors that like merit those rewards. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I think that's why people like you are going to be more successful because you can adapt and change and grow and you thrive on all of that stuff. So I think that that's like one of the things that's really fun about being your friend (laughs) is I get to like be challenged all the time to like keep moving forward. And it's such an innovative industry that I don't know. I just wanted to give you some props there. Oh, um, I know you. sometimes you're hard on yourself about like when you have new ideas or you change your mind or whatever, but it's actually the thing that keeps you like at the edge of the industry and like innovative and like doing things different than other people. So. Well, I think it's really interesting to think about like sometimes, and like this is advice that I've gotten from like coaches and like bigger people in the industry is like that like my indecision and my like constantly changing and like doing a bunch of different things and dabbling is like the thing that's holding me back but I honestly think that like that's the only thing propelling me forward because if I just like picked the thing that I did when I first started like I would be a like one woman single like content mill And I would just be pumping out social media content and I wouldn't be pushing myself or growing or changing, but like I would have picked the thing, but realistically, like then I would have just been one of many social media managers or one of many caption writers or content writers. And like, I don't necessarily know that I would have been the best. Actually, I guarantee I wouldn't have been the best because I got tired of doing it. But I think that the constant like growing and changing is like, I'm always trying to be the best at the thing that I'm doing right now. And that's pushed me forward from like an engagement perspective where I just like actually care about what I'm doing because it's something new all the time. I can't get bored. It's almost like I have ADHD or something. Um, And I do have ADHD just for anyone who didn't know, (laughs) but because I'm always like changing and stuff, I'm always trying to like do better and be better. And like, I don't feel entitled to anything because I don't necessarily have that past experience in the specific thing. And I think it's just been a really fun way to always push forward and be like striving to do better by doing differently. Oh, that's a really great sentence. Thanks for credit. Yeah. Look (laughs) at that. That was really good. So I know the story of how you got one of your business coaches. And so I know that it was really unique and different than other people. We've recently talked about how you're taking a break from having a coach. So why don't, because I think a lot of people that may listen to your podcast are people that are being pressured to get a coach of sorts or get 
help of sorts or outsource, you know, this like mindset stuff or be paying to be in people's energy, things like that, that we all go back and forth about and struggle with all the time. So I know it's not like a black and white definitive answer, but what do you think is something that you learned from having a coach? And I'll ask you the next one after that. Okay. (laughs) I think that it was really nice to have a coach and have a place and have a community to go to, to get answers that are like rooted in like actual kindness and caring about one another. I think when I reached the point that I wanted a coach, it was because I just felt like I needed a place to bounce ideas off of people that wasn't as hostile as some Facebook groups can be. I think even like the most helpful of Facebook groups have a tendency to have people giving answers without giving context. So if someone is like, hey, I just put together this proposal, but I have no idea what to charge. Like the comments will be flooded with people just like saying numbers with no context or saying like, I would never charge this much or I would never charge this little. And it's a lot of like very one dimensional interactions with people. And so what I was really happy to find, and I don't even know if I was necessarily looking for it, but what I did find in a coaching relationship was a place to be able to have like a back and forth dialogue about questions that I had or things that I was struggling with and a place to feel like I could ask a question without it being stupid and people would take the time to, you know, listen to where I'm coming from and what I'm trying to get out of asking the question instead of just like throwing their two cents in to have like their name somewhere. But I think a really interesting thing of being in that coaching container was that like I, I don't want to say like outgrew that need, but I think over the the year and a half that I was working in the coaching program that I was in, I was able to figure out how to answer those questions myself. Because I think when we start out in business, we're asking questions because we just like do not know the answer and are too overwhelmed to Google. And then once you reach a certain point in your business, it's not about finding the correct answer. It's about figuring out like the solution and the process and the stuff like that that works for you. So I think starting out in a coaching container where you get the experience asking questions and thinking about what that solution process is like in a group. Now that I'm not in a coaching container, I'm able to still work myself through that solution process when I'm problem solving in my business. And it's like, like you're exercising that muscle by doing it by yourself. It's not to say that like everyone has to like be in a coaching program and then leave the coaching program. But I just felt like I wanted to ask questions to like get my money's worth out of the coaching program, like kind of by the end. But I was less interested in their solutions process because I really just needed to like work through it on my own. Yeah, that's a great answer. And it leads us right into... Why did you decide not to have a coach right now? Um, I think that I love how I'm like pretending like I didn't end my last answer with like the beginning of this answer. But I feel like I reached a point in the coaching container that I was in where I felt complete and I didn't feel ready for like a higher level coaching container. And I think 
I mean, really, that's why I started this podcast. I feel like there are a lot of resources out there for people who are in the beginning and for people who are pivoting. And there are a lot of resources out there, like in a traditional like group coaching or hybrid coaching program for people who are at the like million to multi-million level and are dealing with like all of those bigger issues. And like, they're not doing the doing, they're managing their teams. Like they're more like fully in that CEO role. And I think that there's not a lot of room for people in the middle who no longer have those beginner questions, but are still very much doing the doing in their business. And I think I felt like part of me feels like we're trying to rush people through that process of going from being in the beginning to being a full-time CEO who only works a few hours a week and like has someone else take care of the rest. And I think that there's so much... First of all, there are so many people who have no desire to be in that full-time CEO role. And I think they're just as valid as business owners as the people who do want to be in that CEO role. And I think that is a conversation that's missing from this online business space. But I just felt like I wasn't sure and I'm still not sure if that CEO role is one that I want to embody fully. And I didn't look very hard, but I didn't really have an easy time finding a coaching container or a coaching program that felt like it spoke to the specific issues that I was having. Because a lot of those issues are just like internal and like decision making and things like, you know, how do I manage a team and manage cash flow and manage payroll when like still the easiest way to get a cash injection into my business is to have me go out and do work. And I think that that is not seen as a valid solution to a problem in a lot of these coaching containers. And I didn't want to go somewhere where I love that solution. I love that I can hustle and like really put my nose to the grindstone and like see a return on that time investment. And I didn't want to go somewhere where I would be shamed or invalidated for it. And I felt like that's all that was out there. Yeah. No, that's hard. I just think there's a lot of us out there right now that are kind of struggling with like, we need to be in community or we want to have a container, but like, it feels more social right now. Like it feels Mm -hmm. like social support that we need, but like, I'm not trying to go and get like group therapy, (laughs) you know, like I love to have it be a little bit more like peer, like we've kind of created a peer mentorship group kind of thing. So yeah, it's, it's really, you're kind of in the messy middle of, uh, of finding support for your business right now. And I think that that's pretty uh, common and no one's talking about it because the industry is really saturated with lots of people offering support. So, and I think that the latest trend in offering that support too, is like, I think the coaches that have these lower level programs and then these really high level programs, like they're trying to grasp that middle of the market because let's be real, like that's the growing part of the market. Um, I mean, like the beginners are growing, but like then they leave being a beginner. And I think the messy middle is where you stay for the longest. But I think that in trying to monetize the middle, people are just like monetizing peer masterminds. And then it's like, we're in these situations where maybe we resent the people that we're paying because they're not really providing the expertise that they claim to be able to. And then we are forming those communities, but then it's like, you feel trapped in the community that you're paying for, even though the person that you're paying isn't like actually providing value. And I think that's a really 
conflicting experience for people to have. And I just didn't want to spend another, like to spend a year stuck in that. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, so I know you've had a lot of journey with your team. So with having long-term team members, short-term high impact team members, lots of learning, lots of growing. What did you learn about yourself as a leader through the process of the evolution of your business as a team manager, as a team leader? I think when I first brought on a team member, like an actual employee, because I had a few contractors before I did, I had no idea what it meant to be a leader. I was 24, I think. And I kind of felt like I had no business being someone's boss. And then especially because the person who I hired wound up like they were older than me. So I felt really weird, like giving them like training and guidance and like giving them like being the expert in the conversations. And so I definitely think I let myself get like walked on a little bit. And so then over time, as I realized like that, not only do I need to step into a leadership role and actually embody like what it means to be a leader, like I need to do that, but also I deserve to do that. And I think that there's like, there's another element there too. I think there's people who like need to be leaders because it's the way that they're like organization is structured. There's people who deserve to be leaders because they're trying really hard to make an impact and they need to be given more responsibility. Like I have members on my team. Like I don't think there's ever going to be anyone under them just because of the structure of my business, but like they would do so well if they did get to lead someone. And so like figuring out how to work on those skills for them so that they can take them somewhere. Like I know that they can do great things. But then I also think there's like this like subset of people who like just shouldn't be leaders and like maybe should accept that. Like you can learn how to be a good leader. You can decide that you're going to be a good leader, but like you have to actually want to be a good leader, not because you want to say that you're a good leader, but because you want to like have impact on the people that you're leading that extends beyond their relationship to you. And I think that not everyone just like not everyone needs to be like leading a team. And I think for a while, because I knew that I was worried that that was me. Like I was worried that I was like, I have no business doing this. But like over the past, you know, year and a half or so of having team members, I've definitely stepped into realizing that like, this is something that I need. And this is something that I want. And that energy is making it something that I deserve is to have a team that like wants to be led by me because it's something that I care about. Nice. I love that. I mean, I'm a little partial, but great job. <laughs> uh, um, so when you look back on, I guess, like your biggest lessons that you've learned since you started your business, I'm sure that it's going to be a totally different answer than if I were to ask you what I'm about to ask you. So don't try to like body your entire experience as an entrepreneur into this answer. But I think the last six months have been really transformative for you, which is one of the reasons that you were driven to start this podcast. So if you had to take the last six months, like in a silo, like in a vacuum, what do you think is the most impactful thing that you've learned about yourself and about yourself as as an entrepreneur and about business in general? Hmm. And are they different things? I guess they could all be the same thing. (laughs) So as myself, as an entrepreneur and as like business in general, Mm -hmm. hmm. I think starting with myself and then it kind of like blends into as an entrepreneur, like 
I am more capable than I give myself credit for. And I think that's something that I really struggle with as someone who wants to be critical of people who maybe give themselves credit for being too capable. That's something that I really like feel weird proclaiming and then criticizing because it feels very backwards. But I think over the last six months, I've made a lot of really hard decisions that have proven to myself that I'm allowed to take my own advice and that my advice is worth taking either by myself or from someone else. And that's something that I don't know I would have said maybe this time last year. And that applies like as a person and as a business owner because it's extended into my personal life. Like I feel more confident in the decisions that I'm making. I'm feeling more confident in like the way that I live my life. And I'm trying really hard to have that come from a place of like internal validation and not just external validation, but also in like accepting the external validation when it does come. Like it's been really weird doing this podcast and like knowing that people listen to it and that people like it. Like that's weird for me but I'm trying really hard to not have it be so weird. (laughs) And then as a business owner, I think that when I decided to have employees, I took a lot of responsibility for those employees and like in wanting to create a company that had an amazing culture and that could support them like in their fullest lives and still give them the flexibility to like live. And I would say at like the beginning of six months ago, I was more committed to supporting that for them than I was to supporting anything for me. And I think over these six months, I've realized like I can care about my team, but I have to remember that I'm on my team too. And so working really hard to get, you know, someone on my team a full-time salary so that they don't need to find another job, like that's amazing to aspire to. But if I'm doing it at the expense of like being able to pay myself consistently at like the minimum salary recommended by my CPA, like then I'm not really serving them because that's a lot of pressure putting on them and putting on myself. And so just kind of learning that like I'm allowed to want to take care of my team, but I have to remember that I am my only full-time team member and that I have to take care of me too. That's so, so good. And then I guess this is kind of me being HRE, but <laughs> in the interest of not having this podcast go on forever, which has been really hard, um, <laughs> I want to ask you, where do you see yourself in five years? For our listeners, I'm like that bug-eyed emoji. <laughs> I knew you'd hate this question, but that's why I asked it. <laughs> um. Five years is just so long because like if you'd asked me five years ago, I probably would have said I would like have a normal job. I think that like we're on the brink of doing something really cool with Propagy and it's going to start with talking about more than just LinkedIn and educating about more than just LinkedIn. I think that for a while I was under the impression that my approach to LinkedIn is like my secret sauce and what makes me good at business or whatever. But I think based on the feedback that I've gotten from some newer clients doing some other things and from the people who are inside Level Up and inside TLC, like, yes, my approach to LinkedIn is really cool and approachable and something that I'm really proud of. But 
I think that approach can be applied to a lot of other areas of business and really figuring out how to make business feel good and do good and just be something that we're not like shy about all the time. The whole like idea behind Level Up and behind TLC is like you can create genuine connections, you can create quality content, and it doesn't have to be like this intense time stuff that like takes up your entire life. And I think that that can be applied to so many parts of business and figuring out how to position that in a way that we can serve more people at a really accessible level. Because, you know, maybe not everyone deserves to be a leader, but everyone deserves to have like the tools like at their disposal to try, whether that's being a thought leader, whether that's being a leader of a team and growing a company, or whether that's just like making sure that your marketing isn't so gross and schemey and lying to people. I think that there's like something brewing there and I haven't figured out the words to put the pen to paper and like rewrite my website or anything like that. (laughs) Um, But I would love to actually be able to create content and create resources that can help other people make a difference and have that be how I make a difference. I just don't know what that's going to be yet. So I don't know what my life will look like in five years, but I'm hoping that my impact looks a little something like that. It's a really good answer. Thanks. I honestly thought you were going to be like, well, Kevin would have proposed and <laughs> nah. have, we'll be living in Minnesota or Arizona or both as snowbirds. And <laughs> I was talking to my grandma about that last night, but um, no, I think that I have no idea what my life's going to look like. And I remember like being in college, like when I was in a sorority, which I was in a sorority. A lot of people don't know that or believe that here included. but like did you believe it (laughs) okay so I did believe it but because of the stories that you told because I was an athlete in college so and in California we don't have like a ton of like it's not super Greek like there's just it's not like that popular it's fun like you know it's cool when people are in sororities but it wasn't necessarily something that like you had to do in order to like find a common ground with other people the way it is in other parts of the country and so my viewpoint of sorority was literal sororities were literally like from when I would go to meetings with like friends when I would visit them in other parts of the country and there was like chanting and like weird cult stuff. I mean, so, there is. Yeah. And so then <laughs> your stories essentially affirmed <laughs> that. So I do believe that you were in a sorority, but I still think sororities are creepy as hell. I'm just saying. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I will say that like, you have to do a lot of like memorizing of like your like values and like the symphony or like ritual or whatever of the organization when you're in the sorority. And I do think that the way I like taught myself to learn and internalize that has definitely helped me help other people with their own like messaging and mission, vision and values, because it does feel like silly words on paper, but like it has to mean something to someone. But anywhere where I was going with that is like when I was in a sorority, they would have us do things like write a letter to yourself at graduation. Like, where are you going to be? What are you going to do? And like, I hated coming back and reading those letters and it just being a list of things that I didn't accomplish because like manifestation 
may or may not be real, but like probably a little bit isn't. Sorry if all of my listeners hate me for that. But like, you know, writing like it's four years later and you were elected the president of this club and you did these things and you are going to this grad school. Like, yeah, it's cool to like envision those things. But then when it comes back, like, when I read that letter my senior year that I wrote my sophomore year, my junior year, like, didn't do that. Don't want to do that. Didn't do that. That didn't work out. That really didn't work out. And like, I don't want to listen to this podcast in like a few years or even like a few months down the road and like be sad about it. So thinking more about like the vibes in five years instead of like, (laughs) did Kevin finally ask me to marry him? (laughs) (laughs) is Roxy still around like there's a lot of questions that I don't want to have to answer so like (laughs) we're good vibes but no specifics (laughs) yeah it's interesting that you say that because we ask that question in interviews because we want to see what people's values are in the moment so it actually has nothing to do with you know what I was excited about this question it has nothing to do with what happens in five years. It just shows where you're at now. And I feel like that was just so insightful to see like where your head is at right now, like creating a space where you feel safe to like change your mind and hope and dream and not be disappointed and, you know, have that confidence. Uh, people often think like when we ask that question in inter- interviews, it's like, well, I better tell them it, that I want to work for this company. And it's like, okay, go ahead and tell me that if you, you know, really want to d- work for this company. But To be completely honest, like all that's telling me is that you're bullshitting me (laughs) because right now you really want this job. Like I'd rather, you know, and not that any of your listeners care about this, but I'd rather somebody just say, look, I don't even know what I want to do in five years. Um, I actually think it's super limiting to like put that on yourself. Like I'm very much with you in that. Mm -hmm. But the reason we ask that isn't because we want to know what somebody's doing in five years. It's what they, what they're valuing right now. So it's really interesting. Who said I'm not a coach? I'm just kidding. Uh, you, you said you're not a coach. <laughs> That's right. I don't know how. Um, but anyway, so Haley, I know that this was a great conversation and we could probably go on and on for hours. And I just want to go on record where people can like, you know, count on me for this because it's recorded and published is that I think you're the funniest freaking person I've ever talked to in my life. And <laughs> you and Kevin are hysterical together and you're also brilliant genius and anything that anybody throws at you, you're always able to like make it so special and unique and meaningful. And I think that's one of the greatest things about you is that the things that you do are not just to check them off the list. It's to like actually add value and meaning. So in this podcast, okay, good, good. Um, that's my, but that's actually my specialty is making you cry. So, um, but I don't know if this podcast is meant to get you leads or whatever, but I know, especially after working with you and throwing whatever opportunity I get to work with you and have you work for my business in any way that you can, that you'll never be disappointed. And so I know you don't get to say that too often here, but if you're listening to this podcast and this is a lead gen for you, then you will not be disappointed in what Haley delivers for you. And she can really transform everything that you have going on for you if you let her. Oh, and I didn't pay her to say that. I haven't paid her in almost a year. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 but I will continue to keep paying you. Every time you do a promo, I'm like, 
just like take my money now. I'll use it later. I don't, whatever it is. I know I won't be disappointed. And yes, we are friends, but like if anyone knows me or even listened to my episode here, like I am like the biggest, like I sniff out bullshit like crazy. So like at the end of the day, like I'm not a liar. And if you need me to ever do a testimonial for you, I will, because (laughs) you will do anything to make your clients happy and feel fulfilled. And you take it so personally and you love doing it and it's, you're so passionate about it. And I think that that probably shines through in your answers on this podcast. So good job, Haley. You're killing it. Oh, thank you. All right. I feel like I'm supposed to do an outro here, but I don't know what to say. So um, thank you so much for listening. And this is actually the finale of season one of Messy in the Middle. So we will be back eventually, hopefully in a couple months, with more interviews, hopefully some more solo episodes. And who knows, maybe Kara will interview me again. Oh my God, I can't wait. And I can't wait for everyone to know about your marketing roadmap because it's so genius. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Bye. Hey there. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Or more likely, thanks for leaving your phone just far enough away that you can't get to it in time to skip past this part. If you like what you heard, don't forget to rate and leave a review. And shout out to my guests for joining me, my dog for not barking, my editor Chrissy for doing her thing, and my friend Devin for letting me use his music. You can check out all of the links for the podcast, anything mentioned in today's episode, and the amazing people who helped me put on the show in the show notes. Bye!